Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Zorro. Shopping for a business? You'll find the supplies you need at Zorro.com. That's Z-O-R-O.com. At Zorro, you can get tools, safety, and office items, cleaning supplies, and more in one stop. And Zorro has great brands like Stanley, Black & Decker, Prestone, 3M, and Rubbermaid. Visit Zorro.com, Z-O-R-O.com slash NBA and sign up for Z-Mail to get 15% off. Zorro.com, all you need to make your business go. Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Tuesday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, a.k.a. Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin Opinionated, Kevin O'Croissant, Kevin O'Caucus, Kevin! <laughs> a lot, lot of drama in the, in the media world, in the political world, in the sports world after yesterday. Bachelor, Iowa Caucus. And of course, Andre Godala, Chris. <laughs> well, and I watched another Andre as I went to Grizzlies Pistons, and it was a dud. Um, so I missed the bachelor. I missed the Iowa caucus. So if you want to comment on oh, that later, man. you can. Boy, that bachelor was great last night. I'll just say that. Well, great. the uh, Andre Iguodala stuff, uh, got going last night and I'll just, uh, like, okay. For everybody out there. Cause obviously I've argued with some people on Twitter about this. And then I have seen all manner of comments about this situation. I, I want to start off today's show and let me just give you a little timeline here because there are a lot of things that get repeated that simply aren't true. One of which is uh, these. I don't. I don't know why anybody is making either side out to be a bad guy in all of this. It was mutually agreed upon. Let, let me just take you through a timeline, okay? First, Golden State dumps Andre Iguodala. Okay, they dump Andre Iguodala. At that moment, obviously, I'm like, well, that'd be great, right? Veteran, a winner. Young guys could learn a lot from him. Andre Iguodala makes it clear from the jump he's not playing there, okay? He's not going to play in Memphis. And, in fact, he's not going to come to training camp. So, for all of the everything is mutually agreed upon crowd, allow me to take you to September 9th. Now, this is way before the season, Kevin. You would agree, right? This is way before the season. Sham Sharania. Sources. Memphis wants three-time champion Andre Iguodala to report to training camp, and he and is refusing right now to engage in buyout, which would prevent Iguodala from finishing his Hall of Fame career on his terms because this may be his last NBA season. Iguodala is the vice president of the NBA PA, one of the league's most respected and desires a contender at this stage. So by September 9th, he has them doing his bidding. Grizzlies wanted him to come to training camp. He is not going to go to training camp. He wants a buyout. He wants to go somewhere else. Now, at this point, Andre Iguodala doesn't want to give up one red cent in order to achieve said buyout. The Grizzlies then say, well, rather than you come around here and be pissy and be mad that you're even having to play here, because he already went in an interview and mocked Memphis and said, I told my wife they'll probably trade me to Memphis or some shit. Because, oh, the indignity of having to pay for, play for $17 million for some place uh, like Memphis. Fine. We'll get a trade on the table. Until then, just stay away because you don't want to be here anyway. Okay? So there is your agreed-upon understanding. 
Then uh, has everyone leak out that he would go to the Lakers or he would go to the Clippers or he would go to some of these teams if the Grizzlies are to buy him out. So then the buyout thing becomes something that all of the uh, media carrier pigeons tweet out. And at that point, Memphis has to say, hey, we're not buying anybody out, okay? So then he goes on the jump and he starts talking about the other teams he'd be playing for and kind of how he would fit in and then goofs about getting paid to do nothing. Fast forward, because it all dies down. Fast forward to last night. Um, it's all died down, and he leaks out. I'll sit out for the rest of the season if I'm not traded to this team, this team, or this team. So, therefore, attempting to sabotage a trade to anyone except for who he wants to play for. And then, again, the media carrier pigeons jump on board, and they say, Man, Memphis is really doing him wrong. Like, somehow they have all been brainwashed into thinking Memphis should pay him $17 million to play for another team. Because in most, most of the time, in bigger markets and, and media in bigger markets, they really have this feeling that small markets should just be feeder systems to the big market. And so this is what I would say. They will, I'm sure, uh, if there's a trade on the table, it will get done. If he doesn't call everybody and then say, because I'm sure a team that was going to trade for him is probably calling his agent being like, look, will he come here? And so if Andre Iguodala said he'll come there, then a trade can get done. Otherwise, you know, maybe nothing gets done. And I promise you this, I promise you, if there's not a trade get done, there is no chance now they'll buy him out. None. He just won't play at all this season. So I guess if that's how he wanted to play his hand, so be it. Dylan Brooks, then after the game last night, is asked about it. And he stands up for Memphis because I think all of the young guys on the team at the beginning, you know, he's got a roster spot. He's frankly the highest paid guy on the whole roster and he's not here. And I think at the beginning they were all like, why doesn't he want to be a part of this? Like, this is fun. You know, like almost like we live in a hurt feelings world now, right? Everybody kind of, you know, like you saw everybody like Spencer Dinwiddie didn't make the skills and. You know, Jackson uh, Hayes doesn't make the rising stars and everybody gets their feelings hurt. And I think it started out as that. Like, why doesn't he want to play here? Like, what's what's his problem? And then it turned into, yo, like, what? F this guy, you know? And that was what ends up happening where, you know, now Dylan Brooks attempts to stand up for, hey, Memphis ain't all that bad. And so you can roll your eyes at Memphis all you want. And so he just kind of stands up for it, and then this turns into, right, John Morant getting involved, then Steph Curry <laughs> Instagrams a photo of Andre with a trophy, then John Morant comes back with a, uh, uh, <laughs> Instagram photo of uh, <laughs> Kevin Durant with a trophy. <laughs> and so somehow this has become quite the, quite the thing. Did I miss anything, Kev? I, my only question is, are we, the NBA community, spending too much time focusing on a 36-year-old who hasn't been good for two years? He is a 36-year-old that has a finals MVP, and so he is a, you know, by virtue of playing on those teams, he's a big name. Of course. I, and, I it's mean, a, and it's just a fascinating case study in how people view the NBA, uh, this age of player sure. empowerment, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, and yeah. all that's, that's more, it's not really about the individual player as much as this is, Hey, if you conduct yourself and you're thoughtful and you're, uh, easy with your time, you will get a pass on this. 
You just do. You get a pass on. You can act any kind of way and try to decide wherever you want to go and somehow get people to parrot that the team is somehow doing you wrong, which that is, that's the only thing I've reacted to. Cause I'm like, dude, get the F out of here. Well, and, and, and that's what touches on the more complex discussion that I've seen a, a handful of people touch on, on Twitter this morning, including our big boss, Bill Simmons, Sam from the light years podcast, uh, Celtics writer, danger cart, Ryan Bernardino. There's been a handful of people that have hit this and that that's the bigger question. Should your contract being paid be tied to actually playing for the team, right? Like we have Iguodala getting paid $17 million when he's sitting out the entire year. And it's by choice ultimately. And whether it's something mutually agreed to or not, as you said, originally Memphis did want him to report, but you know, it's okay for Iguodala to get paid like when he's playing or, or, or when he's with a team, but he's, you know, waiting for a trade to happen, but is it, is it okay when he's getting paid when he's not playing for the team and he's on TV, you know, doing other things when he's outwardly and essentially through the media demanding a trade, is that okay for a player to get paid in that scenario? I don't know the answer, it is, but it is the way it is now where a player can do that. And for Iguodala and for the NBA, I think the bigger question moving forward is with the next CBA, should there be some type of revision for making contracts non-guaranteed when a guy isn't playing? I don't know. It's complex. It would be very hard to get the Players Association to get to agree to anything like that. But it is fascinating considering Iguodala's place in the PA and the fact that he is essentially using the leverage that he does have, the leverage that almost anybody would would use if they had it. The question is, should he, that player have that leverage? Well, look, again, you can have the leverage all you want. I only, I only get riled up when I start seeing this whole idea that, like, like, again, the first report was they wanted him to report to training camp and he wanted a buyout and they haven't engaged in a buyout. And so uh, this would prevent Iguodala from finishing his Hall of Fame career on his terms. Because, Like, I mean, should we be right? Like, does everybody just get to do everything on their terms? I guess that's the answer, right? And so it's framed from the from the beginning that it's like, and so then when now it comes back up because it's trade deadline week, right? It's not just, I don't want to play in Memphis. And so then it's agreed upon, hey, you're you're still getting your checks, but just don't even come around because got a new coach, got a bunch of young players in this league. If you're going to be a cool veteran and help them and build up your stock, I mean, look, we will find you a deal, but you don't want to be a positive influence here, fine. And you'd be a negative influence, fine. Then just stay home, right? And we'll try to find a deal for you. But now it's like to the point where it's trade deadline week, Kevin. And it's like, all right, I don't want to play in Memphis. And I'm going to try to sabotage any deal that's not to a place that I don't like. Here, here's a few places in the league that I'll play. And it's like, well, geez, dude, come on. Right? Like that. How is I don't I don't understand that. I don't understand how anybody could be on the they should just buy him out or like that he has been a victim at all in any of this. And I promise you, a player with a worse reputation, people are looking at this and going, what the hell? 
I, I'm like, honestly, just like I said, he's 36 years old and he hasn't been that good for two years. And it's a, it's a weird situation, but who, whatever team gets that gets this player, I hope your expectations aren't super high for him, you know, considering his age, considering he's been out the whole year, you hope he can be a positive addition, but there's no guarantees of that. And to me, there's just so many more interesting things happening across the league. And it's a shame something with Iguodala has taken so much focus away from the great things happening and the other rumors that are actually far more relevant to teams' futures and far more relevant to the current playoff chase that's happening. Let's talk about one with his former team, because you know from the very beginning of this season, and in fact, from the time it was, you know, the free agency deadline when Kevin Durant signed with Brooklyn and the D'Angelo Russell to Golden State deal takes place, I, I have never let go, and I've talked about it throughout this season, of the initial Mark Stein report, which was they ain't getting him to keep him. They're getting him so they get an asset in return uh, for losing Kevin Durant. And so this is asset acquisition because, of course, it's not ideal with Steph and with uh, with uh, with Clay and, and Draymond when they come back, given the type of player that he is. And so it surfaces uh, this week that the Knicks pursuing D'Angelo Russell, obviously that Wolves thing is always out there. And so I don't know if he will be the biggest name, but it's certainly another fascinating name because for a player of his talent, this will be a lot of teams since he has already come in the league, Kev. And do you think the Knicks should trade for him? I don't think the Knicks have enough to trade for him, but I do do think there is value in them giving an unprotected unprotected first-round pick. Same goes for the Minnesota Timberwolves because, look, with D'Lo... I love Mark Stein. Like I've heard similar that, you know, Golden State does intend to trade him, but I've also heard from from people within the organization and outside the organization that they look at D'Lo as a guy like he just he's just about to turn 24 years old. He's already a very good and very versatile offensive player and considering how great he's been shooting off screens and off handoffs and cutting and doing all the other things off ball, he looks like a guy that can fit perfectly next to Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson. So for Golden State, I think their intentions are exactly that, to give this a try and see what happens. And maybe if a great offer comes along, you make that trade. But that's true for almost anybody in the league. There's so few untouchable players, and D'Lo is certainly not one of those guys. But Golden State brought him in because... They could. They had an opportunity to get something in return for KD, which is why they gave up a pick in the deal as well. But the, I don't know if they brought him on just to trade him six months later. They intend to keep him. But if a better decision is out there, better move is out there, then of course they're going to do that. But that's true for any team that drafts any player, signs any player, trades for any player. D'Lo is no different than anybody else. And I, I think viewing it viewing it in that way is a bit silly in my eyes just because of the fact that Golden State, the, the way they got him was so unusual. It shouldn't change the fact that he's no different than any other player. With that said, for Golden State right now, you know, I reported yesterday that Minnesota has been trying to get three-way deals together to make a trade now for D'Angelo Russell, but Golden State thus far has said no to every offer, including multiple first-round picks and salary filler for D'Lo. And 
there's good reason for that because D'Lo this season is even better than he was during his all-star year last season. I just said how he's been so good shooting off screens and handoffs and cuts, but he still is also that very good high-level playmaker and scorer in pick-and-roll situations. So it's right for a team like Minnesota to be after him now. It's right for the Knicks to be going hard after him now. These teams should be going after D'Lo. And for the same exact reasons, Golden State is right to want to keep him and see how he performs next to Seth Curry because it's not often that any team is going to have a 24-year-old point guard that's averaging 24 points per game on 10 threes at three-point attempts per game, shooting 30 38% from three, averaging six assists. He's a really good player. Really good. And all these teams should want him, including the Golden State Warriors. I think it's a bit silly to assume they should trade him. I think it's a bit silly to make fun of the Wolves or Knicks for wanting to trade so much for him. D'Lo is a very likable player the team oh. should want. Oh, no. I think he's a good player. I don't think... I think there is a better use of that money to fit around, to build the team around Steph, Clay, and Draymond. That's where I stand, right? That the, the, there is but there like are, for what? Who? There are there are what? better Who? fits than that. I would use that money for a collection of depth. That's what I would I would look at it and I would say my title chances are going to be finite. Like I got I'll have a couple more year run with this. I get Steph back, I get Clay back, I get Draymond back. That that team does not have depth, Kev. And so I would rather use the $20 million or whatever it will be. It's even more than that, actually, uh, in order to build the requisite depth that I am going to need around those guys to be able to deal when somebody inevitably has to miss 10 games and also to fill in the gaps uh, role-wise around them. That's what I would say. As somebody, that ke- another guy that keeps the ball moving, I've got, I- I'm going to score. And the ball, I want the ball in Steph Curry's hands. And I want him running things. And obviously, I got Thompson at the two guard running off the ball. I need to find me a small forward that's a great fit with there. The 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 Paris and Barnes KD replacement. That's what I would use it for. So, in other words, you would rather have, and I'm not saying this deal exactly, but let's say the Knicks were to offer two first-round picks, including their own 2020 unprotected and a future pick with Nilakina and Bobby Portis and other other guys, maybe a Kevin Knox is in that deal too. You'd rather have like a injection of youth that could turn into depth for your team yes. at a low cost. Yeah, but I'd rather do, I, but I'd rather attain good players than what you said. Okay, but where's that deal? <laughs> but then here's the thing. Here's the thing. Where's that deal? Where's that deal? I mean, I everything I just said about D- D'Angelo Russell is true, but right. also there's not a lot of teams that would be trading for a guard right now. There's so many, so many teams have guards. The draft, even though it stinks, has a lot of guards that pe- teams that need a guard or would rather just draft and invest in it at a lower cost. Uh, there's not a lot of options out there for Golden State to trade D to that we're thinking about right now. And, and for them, I just think I have a hard time imagining finding a better guy that can fit and complement Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson in a way he does what Andre Iguodala and Sean Livingston did for years on the offensive end. Of course, he is nowhere close to what those guys were in the defensive end, obviously. However, on the offensive end, he's far superior. And I, and I think about if you're having that backcourt with Steph, Clay, and D'Lo, or you pull one of those guys off, if you have a D'Lo, Clay backcourt when Steph is off the court, or you roll with Steph 
and D'Lo and Clay is off, D'Lo can take on more of those shooting responsibilities or he can take on more of the playmaking responsibility. He's an ideal fit on the offensive end. It's just a matter of the defense. But if you get a better, a guy who's better on defense, is it going to outweigh the gains that he brings on offense? I'm not so sure about that. I think I think D'Lo has been severely underrated as a player going back to last season with Brooklyn because everybody talked about him as this ball dominant, arguably ball hog player. But that was anything but the case. You know, he for years in L.A. he had changing situations in Brooklyn. He emerges as an all star, as a ball dominant right. guy. I mean, we, look, we just wait, wait, disagree on wait, this. Wait, wait, we forget what he was at Ohio State. And that was a guy who played on and off the ball. And finally, this year, he's shown that ability okay. again. Right. Well, and, we just and disagree I, on this, Kev, like, uh, in terms of how to fit a basketball team together. We just disagree. It's fine. I, I get it. You love D'Angelo Russell. You think he's amazing. I just don't think that with Clay and Steph, it's a great fit. That's it. Would you, would you rather have, let's, let's say Minnesota offered you Andrew Wiggins with Fuck their... no. Un- uh, what? Okay. I, I, All right. Even, so what do you what? want? I'm not... I'm not you want Gorgie Jang? You want Gorgie Jang? Come on. Look, there are always deals that are out there. If you want me to get specific and go hunt through the entire league of a team that needs a guard that would be able to make a move. Look, you just saw a deal this past summer with a former Ohio State point guard, Mike Conley. And you got Jay Crowder. You got Kyle Korver. You got Grayson Allen. You got a first-round pick. And you got role players and a high pick. And I do think that that is – and maybe they're not stars in return. But you could look around the league and maybe you would be able to put together three or four guys that can play in my eight-man rotation that I think are more ideal fits when you have a backcourt of State, Steph Curry, and Clay Thompson. That's it. I also think that that is not good enough defensively. I don't think offense is going to be their problem when they have Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green and two other guys that can be pretty good, right? And we have seen those Harrison Barnes-type players in the past, and then it got accentuated when it was Kevin Durant. I want another great wing if I am spending that amount of money. That's it. And I, and I, I don't think it's good enough defensively, and I don't think it's an ideal fit offensively. This is just about team building and how I view what your team should look like and where your money is put. They don't have enough good players. They don't have enough good players. They've lost all their depth. Their bench is horrendous. And, you know, you're just trying to piecemeal it together. And I'd rather have, you know, a solid wing player that I could stick in there and three or four more guys for a seven, eight-man rotation. That's all I would do. I don't know if Glenn Robinson is that guy, but I will say... No, no, no. His emergence this year has been impressive. Shooting 40% from three, averaging 13 points per game, averaging playing solid individual defense... Glenn Robinson has been a pretty good role player for them. And at one point it seemed like teams, other teams viewed Robinson and Alec Burks as equals. Uh, If anything, some teams preferred Alec Burks, but Robinson has played his way and only 26 year old and only 26 into being a guy that maybe Golden State views as a being a, a lower cost role player on their roster, regardless of what happens with D'Lo. And he's one of those guys where you look at their top, five or six or seven rotation. He's a part of that. And Eric Pascal, of course, is a rookie, even though he hasn't been quite as good in recent weeks as he was compared to how he was at the beginning of the season. He also, as a rookie, just at 23 years old, 
has been solid as a rookie. I think with Golden State, there should be no rush here and flipping D'Lo for just a bunch of role players and picks in a shitty draft. The 2020 draft stinks. It stinks. And for Russell, I just think it's a misuse of his talent and, and it's underrates his upside with what he can even be as he continues to improve alongside superior players and Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. When you do have a couple of solid young role players on your team already and moving forward, you can use exceptions maybe to pick somebody else up through free agency. I, I to me, I think Golden State is in the right to demand a ton for D'Lo. And I think we collectively also need to look at Minnesota and New York and say, maybe you should be willing to unprotect your first round picks in an offer for this player. Maybe you should be willing to give more well, than has been currently reported. Or think, I mean, I think we always thought like maybe that the, the Allen Crabb thing was for that, right? To get that 18 million. So if you pair together, right, you unprotect it and then throw Crabb and Covington and, you know, maybe I get well, one of their young guys you like a. You can't package Crab with other players, though. He can't, he can't be aggregated with anybody else. He can't. No. Then what was that deal? That, that was oh, uh, I guess. Well, that everybody immediately the reaction to that deal was that's for something else. I mean, it might be. It, yeah, they could still flip him individually. Right. I mean, can I get something? I mean, I've, I've got to put the obviously I need that thing unprotected, and I've got to get to the money, but. Boy, I don't know. I mean, Co- Covington's you know role player that everybody loves. I know you love him. I don't love him. You don't? No, you don't no, love him anymore. I mean, you used to. No, never. I don't think I. When love, he was playing for loves. Philly, I can't. Rec- I can't recall a time I ever loved Covington. He's a solid player. It's a good player. Not a great player. It's a good player. Solid. I mean, <laughs> he, I think. I think if Houston or another team were able to trade for Covington, that'd be a positive addition. And speaking of Houston, though, what 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 are your thoughts on? the idea of them flipping Clint Capella and adding another wing slash Ford and, and Robert Covington and finding a cheaper, lower cost center. And I, and I'm thinking about guys like maybe an Alex Len, if you were to trade, uh, trade Capella to Atlanta, or maybe an Ennis Cantor, if you were to trade him to Boston, or maybe you pick up a guy who gets bought out like an Ian Mahaney. What are your thoughts on the logic behind that for Houston, if they were to pull it off. Okay. So first things first, I, it, it, I, I've talked to a, a lot of my uh, buddies that have covered the, the rockets down there. And most recently, uh, Tim McMahon from ESPN, when I was talking to him, he said, this guy, boy, he, he gets madder than hell when anybody brings up the idea that he's, you know, cheap or that he's on a budget, right? This, the, for Tita. Um, you know, obviously the whole stuff happened with D'Antoni and he's been kind of coaching out this lame duck season. And now you see that people are saying, you know, Hey, get under the luxury tax. And so this bring, cause it brings up the whole, Hey, if there is a time that, you know, again, you don't have a massive amount of time. There's a time to build around James Harden. It's these prime years to take a run at it. And this shouldn't be the time where you're really worried about money, but that's a whole nother, a whole nother subject. That it's, really a, it's really a joke. If that's the case, and there's a lot of mixed oh, there's a signals lot of, there's about a, that. Oh yeah, no! Every time, and and everybody brings it up, and when it gets brought up, the guy gets madder than hell yeah, that you bring yeah, it up. Uh, I've I have heard the same, and it's it, it's really a joke if that is the case, though. Well, because, because yeah, this team has a chance to win it all. They have a chance. 
Right. Well, hey, look, if you've got the best offensive player in the league, this is the time to back up the brinks and build around him because, yes, you do have a chance at winning a title. I do think that replacement, uh, that, that what percentage of the Capella numbers can you get by finding somebody? And you have seen a lot of teams just be fine with the replacement level guy. Um, it's what you know, we've you talked saw, about all year long. Well, isn't you remember it? that. About having lower cost centers. Well, and you know, we had that. Like, we saw this just for point of reference. We saw this where uh, you know, Nene was like out of the league practically, right? And you remember he came in and he was like getting like 16 and 10 every night. And he was just like, like you set the screen, go to the basket, finish the lob, right? And so, can you do that? Um, and I. If there's guys that can do it, then you sit there and you go, well, there's better use for the money that we have spent on Clint Capella than him playing center right now. But I I don't know, Kev. I, I This is what I think. I look at it and I say, all right, I always try to view things through the prism of who am I going to have to play against when I get to the playoffs? and is replacement level center going to be good enough? Because I'm going to need Capella to go up against Dwight Howard and Anthony Davis. And yes, the Clippers are a little bit smaller, but Denver has Jokic and Utah has Rudy Gobert. Um, Dallas, they just did the cheap thing and went with Willie Cauley-Stein. Oklahoma City has Steven Adams. Like I don't, I don't know who I'm going to have to be playing against, but I do find that we could look and they move Capella and then we sit there and go, oh my God, their bigs aren't good enough. They're just getting absolutely torched on the boards. They're giving up all manner of offensive rebounds and I don't know. And that's possible, but that's the risk you take. And I think for Houston, there is quite a bit of logic in flipping Capella if you're able to get Covington because of the fact that maybe you can then make a subsequent trade for someone like an Aaron Baines or maybe an Ed Davis from Utah, two guys that are available. Maybe Ian Mahaney does get bought out. Granted, he's not that good anymore, but he's still a body. And maybe if you're Houston, you're looking at your roster and you're looking at how you're going to play, and all you can do is control what you can control here. If you're planning on playing with smaller lineups with Tucker at the five a lot in the playoffs, maybe it makes more sense to add another sturdy wing in Robert Covington or somebody else, maybe a Markeith Morris, another guy who's available and I've heard Houston has interest in. Maybe that's the plan. Just get a lower-cost center who can play 15 minutes for you, 10 minutes for you in some matchups, but for the rest of the game, you have plenty of bodies and guys that allow you to play with your tallest guy being 6'8", 6'9", but still a strong body who can at least handle a post-up and maybe with a little help from somebody on the wing or somebody from from the wing area uh, to help double team that center, whether it's a Jokic or an AD or somebody else. Or maybe if you're Houston, you're cool with those guys posting up and against single coverage. Maybe that's what you want. So I can understand the logic here for Houston. I don't think it's the posting up as much as it is the the rebounding, right? That yep. when you second get, chance opportunities. Yes, yeah, yeah they, they, I, I get it. Everybody shoots a bunch of threes, but when you when you get into the situation where when you miss they get the ball and when they miss they get the ball, now you got a problem on your hands, right? And so 
I would be a little worried about that because I do think there are some very formidable big guys that you are going to have to deal with uh, that you can't just completely play off the court. They're good enough that they're not getting played off the court. But in fairness, there were times where Capella got played off the court. Of course, and that's part of it as well. Yeah. With Capella, they are setting fewer on-ball screens and pick and roll than they this season than they, than they have been in past years. And yep. you know that's partially because teams are switching screens so often against them that it becomes you know irrelevant to, to do that. Uh, but that's that is something to just watch for moving forward because that does diminish not just what Capella is on defense when teams might be playing him off the court, but on the offensive end it neutralizes or rather I should say minimizes his value uh, for that team with what they used to do compared to what they do now. You know, a hundred percent Daryl is going to be involved in the trade deadline. He, he can't, uh, you know, uh, not, not be involved. Um, let me ask you this. Look at the Western conference right now and give me a team that you are most fascinated by what they will do at this trade deadline outside of Houston. Cause we covered that. Yeah, I was gonna say Houston <laughs> because of because of uh, what what um what they were in the past, sh- essentially almost leading the league in on ball screens. I think this gets very oh. fascinating. I-, I really do, Kev, because you know, like the way this is played out, standings wise, the week of the trade deadline, you've got the Blazers, the Spurs, and the Pelicans. They're all right there and fighting with each other. So, what do they want to augment? And then. I was going to say Denver, just because they've got these. Well, Den- right- Denver is my other team, yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay, yep. then we agree on this. I mean, they've got yep. two guys that are restricted in Malik Beasley and uh, and Juancho Hernan Gomez, right? They've got this plethora of like kind of like guys in Will Barton, Gary Harris. They're all different, but they're, right, they're all kind of in, they're two guards, right? Get, uh, 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 Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Will Barton, um, they got that, and then they got, as I said, Beasley, and then they got Juancho Hernan Gomez. This Porter thing, you know, he's really flourished as of the last month, and so, you know, if you're Denver, I think I think you go for it. I do. I think you go for it, and you try to make this team even better because uh, you got this little window here where before, you know, the Clippers and, and Lakers really – find their bearings going forward. Denver's another team that I've heard has interest in Markeith Morris from Detroit. Um, for for them, you know, they're, they're, of course, a team that's after Drew Holiday. Uh, I don't know. How willing are you to give future first-round picks for him? How much of an upgrade is Holiday over what Gary Harris was at his best last year in the playoffs? Maybe not significant enough to give up a lot of equity moving forward. However, with how Gary Harris has performed this regular season, which has been poor, it's a significant upgrade. And you have an opportunity here to do something very special in the postseason. I think they should be aggressive in their offers to New Orleans for holiday. Um, But thus far, my understanding is that Miami and Denver, two of the teams that are after Drew Holiday, haven't offered anything that's close to acceptable for the Pelicans. Yeah, and doesn't I'm glad you mentioned Miami. Like, all right, so wait, let's let's stay on Denver real quick. If you're Denver, is the Drew Holiday type deal? Is that the one? You sit back and you say, all right, if I'm Denver, what do I need? What do I need? I know I'm going into this right playoffs. I'm probably going to have home court advantage. What do I need? 
if I'm going to play against, you know, Clippers, Lakers, we assume that those teams are going to be right up there too. What do I need to be better the rest of the season and to be better equipped to win a playoff series? I mean, I think uh, finding another wing, whether it's a Covington or a Morris, like I mentioned, I think somebody like that would make sense for them besides the big blockbuster for Drew Holiday. Well, I like the Drew Holiday thing. I just feel like I could give the ball to Drew Holiday. I'm not trying to overrate him, but I do feel like, you know, it's playoff time and it's I need a bucket time. I mean, he's got the ball in his hands and I, I think he can go get me a bucket. You know, I think they could use that kind of dynamic scoring. And I know that Murray had his moments and he's still young, but you know that these come down to at the end of these games, it's typically the perimeter guys and my best perimeter guy versus your best perimeter guy. It's usually not the bigs that are deciding this stuff as good as Jokic is. And so my best perimeter guy being Drew Holiday, I think is an upgrade to what I've got now. Well, and that's that's what's so interesting for for all these teams here. You if if New Orleans is indeed fully willing to trade Drew Holiday, if you're one of these contending teams that has the right pieces to make a strong offer for Holiday, you should be going hard after him because of what he is as a player, one of the best defensive players on the perimeter at the guard position, but also a guy who could play on ball and off ball for you, an unselfish player who doesn't need the ball in his hands on the offensive end as well. He's not one of those guys who who might fall asleep or lose intensity when he's off ball. He, in fact, he prefers to be one of those guys who shares the ball, which makes perfect sense for Denver. But on the flip side of that, the question then is, well, then why would New Orleans want to trade Drew Holiday when he is a very good player and he is unselfish. But I think for New Orleans, it's only right that they at least explore this because of the fact that he turns 30 this summer. He is a bit older than their younger core and he'll be in his mid thirties, you know, or maybe, maybe only young thirties by the team, by the time Zion and Ingram and Lonzo and this core are ready to actually compete deep in the playoffs it makes some sense to flip him and try to get a lot for in a year where the title window is open for multiple teams to try to leap through. So I think for New Orleans, it's smart to at least explore things. But whether a deal is good enough to take now, I don't know. This could be the type of thing that waits until the summer. The other thing is, you know, when I was talking about the standings, I think might have changed outlook on this. Let's flip to the East. You know that Milwaukee has just had this stunningly great season, but now you look up and Toronto, after winning 11 in a row, is in that two seed in a game and a half up on Boston. And so you look at Boston, who's three. You look at Miami, who's four. I don't know about Indiana. They're kind of just getting Oladipo back in the mix. So um, obviously that should help them going forward, though they've lost the last couple of games. Philly's on this three-game losing streak. We know they're going to go out and try oh, to find shooting. Philly, Philly was awful. Last yeah. night. They're gonna awesome. try to find they're gonna try to find shooting. Let me ask you about they Boston's name. Too. Boston's name came up with the Capella stuff. Miami's name has come up with uh, the uh, uh the Iguodala stuff. Drew also Holiday the Drew well. Holiday stuff. You know, Boston what do you think Boston does? Do you think that they go and 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 get that big? And if it's you, do you make a trade if you're Boston for Capella? Probably they do nothing. Look, this has been a running theme of our show all year. We talk about the success of teams playing lower cost bigs, and you have 
Daniel Tice at $5 million has been very good for your team. He is not better in a vacuum than Clint Capella. And I think Capella, if you're able to trade Langford and Cantor and, and uh, Poirier and combine those players and get Capella for a low cost, then that would be great for Boston. Uh, but if you need to give up, you know, a heck of a lot more than, than that, um, then, 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 then we're maybe thinking about not doing that trade. If you're the Celtics with that said, though, I think you're looking at the East. You mentioned earlier, the amount of bigs that you might have to get through in the West. Well, the same logic applies to the Eastern conference too. You have to face Giannis Antetokounmpo. You have to face Mark Gasol. You have to have a matchup against a Miles Turner and Demonte Sabonis. You have Joel Embiid. I think for Boston, Daniel Tice, even though Boston played exceptionally well against Joel Embiid in their last matchup, Embiid killed them in the first two. And I think having a bigger, sturdier body like Clint Capella would make logical sense to add, depending on the cost with what you're giving. If you're giving one first-round draft pick with those names that I mentioned, then that would make some sense. I think Capella could be nice for that team. Would you give up the Memphis pick? Um. Yeah, sure. Uh, I I think so. I wouldn't be super enthusiastic about it. I think if I'm Boston, obviously you'd rather give up your own first round pick. Um, but because with the Memphis pick, the fact that they're already so good, the fact that 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 would at best, you know, turn into a unprotected next year when Memphis would still probably be very very competitive. You don't want to give up that pick though because of how good the West is. You'd rather give up your own. But I think it would have to be in the trade to make something happen. Yeah, and the other thing is with uh, and, and oh, the other team is Miami, right? And their name has come up, and you know Pat Riley, this guy has always you know got an eye towards a title, right? He is he ain't playing to make playoffs, um, and so he's got Jimmy Butler. They've had a very good season uh, so far at thirty four and fifteen, and so trying to figure out what they're willing to move in order to bolster their team because, I mean, you look at it right now and maybe people don't have the proper respect for defending champ Toronto, but when that's the two seed, you sit there and you say, you know what, we could we could absolutely find ourselves in the Eastern Conference Finals this year, right? And so... Absolutely could, 100%. Right. Yeah, and so... I, it'll be interesting to see. You know they're not moving Bam out of bio, and you wonder what else, you know, that they would be moving around in order to bolster their team, thinking that they've got a chance that, hey, maybe we could look up and be in the NBA Finals this year. Well, I think, you know, if you're talking specifically about Drew Holiday here, the asset that they would want to give up in a deal is probably Kendrick Nunn. Uh, they don't want to move Tyler Hero. The other guy that maybe would have some value is Duncan Robinson. But I'm what not if, quite what sure. If, what, if, what if they say I don't I don't I don't want none. I don't want Robinson. If you want to talk, you got to come off Hero. That's tough with his shooting ability being as good as it is. He's such a perfect fit next to the other guys in that roster. But also, Drew Holiday's so damn good. Yeah, it's 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 a, it's a tough philosophical they, question, there right? Because all of a sudden, like, look, we know this. It, it depends on your timeline, right? Depends on your timeline. There's no question Drew Holiday would make you a more formidable opponent in the playoffs this season. You know, and it's not like he's 100 years old. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, he's 29, Drew, yeah. Right? So, I mean, I've probably got three, four years of Holiday, you know, being good for me. 
Now the problem yeah, but is, what, but what if you, you it, it, it just depends on what you think. Guy. Yeah, it depends on what you think the ceiling is for Harrow. Is Harrow ever an all star? Oh well, they really like him there. Do you think he's ever an all star? Could be. I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't like those questions because it's like it's so hard to say how how many other better players are are there than him in his conference. Who is the more popular player that's voted? Ahead of him. I mean, all-star vote is is tough. All NBA, all NBA, I would say no. All-star, I don't know. Yeah, there's only 15 guys that make all NBA. Yeah. He's never going to be one of the top 15 players in the in the whole league. But I I would I would sit and think long and hard because how many great years of Jimmy Butler do I have? You know, it feels like Holiday, he fits the Butler timeline, right? Yep. And yep. it's funny because I got mocked to hell when I said I would make a deal for Chris Paul if I were them. In the in the preseason, does that look so dumb now? Man, if they had yeah. Chris, if they had <laughs> this does. Chris Paul, <laughs> they, huh? they've gotten by just fine without a point no, guard. No, but if they had this, remember <laughs> when that came up? If they had this Chris Paul with that team, oh, I know. This team right they've got right now does not have a shot at the title. Kev, they've got to augment it to have do a shot they, at the do title. Do they not have a no. shot? No. Why? That why? Team's well, not, what? Why? Well, why don't they have a shot? That, that team's not winning a title. Why don't they have a shot? Because they're not good enough. <laughs> why? Why aren't they good enough? I think they have one of the more dynamic defenses in the basketball. The way the the way they utilize zone defense is innovative and smart. All right, I, the way they they are a spectacular defensive team. And then on offense, they have so many ways that they play. So many ways that they facilitate the ball through their offense. They're dynamic on both ends of the floor. They have great coaching. They have a guy who can score and create for others at the end of the clock. And Jimmy Butler. Why can't they? I don't think that they are as good as Philly when they have Embiid healthy. I do not think they are as good as the Bucks. They would be in a dogfight versus the Raptors and the Celtics. And so the fact that I can't confidently pick them, if you put those teams in a series, you know I love Jimmy Buckets, but if you put those teams in a series, there is not one of them I would confidently pick the Heat in. I wouldn't confidently pick them against the Pacers right now. I mean, so I that's what I'm saying. Like the, you, the it, only team I would confidently pick is my as Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, Miami, Indiana, Philadelphia are packed pretty closely together in terms of my confidence level. I agree of what with these that. teams can, can do. And, in, but in a seven game series, I wouldn't rule them out against Milwaukee. I wouldn't no. rule them out. Entirely. They could win. They're, they're not, they're not, we're not talking about like Brooklyn here or Orlando, the other two Eastern conference playoff teams. I think there's a chance here. I, it might not be a great chance, but there's a chance. This is a really, really good team. They are. I agree with you. They are a really, really good team. Great teams win the title. And I don't think they're a great team. And they could be. You know, it, it would take some augmentation in order for them to be a great team. That's where I stand on them. And then they could get there. Look, Pat Riley's <laughs> pulled off the miraculous before, and I know that they do have an eye towards free Ooh, agency. We, we just got breaking news. Let's hear it. Woj. New York is parting ways with President Steve Mills. League source tells ESPN. (laughs) Two days before the deadline, they're like, you ain't effing this up anymore. This is some timing. (laughs) They said, you are not screwing this up. He probably walked in with all the trades he wanted to do, and they were like, just leave. You're fired. (laughs) Are you out of your mind? Two days before. Scott Perry has taken over basketball operations in New York, according to Sham Sharania. This is ridiculous. Wow. This is ridiculous. Why? I mean, two days before the deadline? 
if you thought that he wasn't good enough to run your organization, which he clearly is not, why are you waiting until two days before the deadline? And all the work has been done and the phone calls have been made. Theoretically, you've been on the phone and now you're 48 hours on the deadline. Like, I'm serious. Maybe it was one of those. They're not screwing this up anymore. And maybe this, (laughs) like, I'm not kidding. Like he came to him and they were like talking about stuff. And he's like, oh, just forget it. Just go home, Steve. This can't be. (laughs) The guy walked in. He said, all right, guys, I've been on the phone for the last uh, 48 hours. Here's the deals I've got. And they said, just go home, Steve. You're fired. <laughs> well, I, I guess for Knicks fans, you know, congrats <laughs> to, to you. <laughs> if, you're, if you're a Knicks fan listening, congrats. Uh, I mean, t- 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 celebrate your victory today. But uh, tomorrow, uh, you look at your roster and you're still like, geez, a lot needs like, to this change. Is, but this is just, this is so Knicks. It's such a Knicks thing to do. And I, I hate that because there's so many Knicks fans I really like and I want what's best for you, but damn it. I mean, this these kind of days like Thursday, Kev, these can be massive days for the future of your franchise. And the guy that you have entrusted with said future of your franchise, you just say 48 hours before? Hey, eh, no, nah, not you. That is goofier than all get up. Steve Mills fired. I mean, Steve Mills should have been fired after... They freaking wrote an apology the day after <laughs> free agency. That's a, I, now, maybe that was a Dolan thing to have him do, but they had that goofy press conference earlier in the year. I, I don't think there's anybody out there going, what? Why on earth would you fire Steve Mills? Why wouldn't you? But why would you do it now, two days before the damn deadline? Why didn't you get somebody in there that knew what they were doing a while back? And now you're going to have a new guy with a new vision. And I guess they just need Perry there. So, you know, they got somebody that can feel phone calls. Until perhaps summertime if they uh, go for somebody else. We'll see. Well, you know who I'd go after? And it's not the one you think I'm going to say. Me? No. Not you. <laughs> Good grief. You? Your opinion of Nilakina rules you out. I, I, would give um, Nil- I would give Nilakina the max. I know you would. <laughs> hey, um, you know who I'd go after? It's not Masai. I would I would use that same vault of cash that I think for Masai. Bring back Phil Jackson. No, I would hire Daryl. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, Daryl. Daryl's a good option. I mean, you just we just talked about earlier what's going on with that owner there. And you got the whole D'Antoni thing. And then you've had the, you know, if the Westbrook Harden thing, you know, if they, you know, spontaneously combust in the playoffs, I, I could just see that, you know. And, and obviously, now, what might be fascinating, you might not be able to because of the China stuff. That I do wonder, right? When that old cap comes out, that's going to become a thing again. And the money's less. And like, so like well, the, the, money, guys, the money did come out and it wasn't as significant as. I uh, know, but, but it, yeah. well, it is so when far, you're talking so about percentage of cap for those guys that signed extensions last year, the Jamal Murray's and the Ben Simmons and whatever. Like it does affect that. That is real money. Yep, the, the the Maasai stuff has started again already. You know, oh, it has. A, a, as has been consistently reported. Woj just tweeted again. Knicks owner Jim Dolan is targeting Toronto President Masai Ujiri to ultimately oversee New York's operations. League sources tell SBN Masai Ujiri is under contract through 2020-2021 in Toronto, and this is true. You know, I I have also heard for quite a while now, as have others, that Ujiri is who Dolan wants. 
granted, Toronto is in an unbelievable position right now with a young roster. They're winning a lot of games. For Masai, this would be an opportunity to bring his other things that he does off the court, basketball without borders, the international basketball uh, operations that he has. This is a way for him to grow what he does around the world, um, having a platform like New York. And it's just a new project. I mean, Masai already accomplished winning a championship with the Toronto Raptors. If you can go to New York and turn this thing around there and bring star players to the Knicks and make this team great, that would be, you know, a project that I think somebody like Ujiri, who is driven and wants to succeed at the highest level, would want to do. We'll see if the Knicks would be willing to give up assets to Toronto for him, and we'll see if Ujiri would actually want to take that job. But it's not its not unfathomable for that position to be appealing to Masai. Last thing, um, you wrote uh, on the ringer uh, about Capella, and I'm just going back to him because he's the biggest name out there. And one, one of the things was the Hawks remain the most likely destination for Capella, which would lead to a whole different set of possibilities. I just want you to expand on that real quick on the whole, because we're, we're thinking about Houston and, and what they've got and maybe moving off Capella. And what, what kind of package would you envision if the Hawks do go after Capella? I mean, that would be more like a, a three-way scenario where okay. a, a pick would be going to Minnesota, Capella would be going to Atlanta. You think he's a good fit with Collins? With Collins, perhaps no. Um, but Collins, Collins has been a bit better defensively than his reputation would suggest. Uh, and he can shoot threes and he can roll. To, to me, it would be worth trying. I, I don't see why, why there would be such a rush for Atlanta to trade Collins now. He does want a lot of money, but rightfully so because of his talents on the offensive end of the floor. Um, but for Atlanta, maybe at some point it would make more sense to flip him and then bring in Capella. But I think both could work. It's worth experimenting with. You're not winning games now. Now's the time to get funky and see what can work. All right. Last thing, because this is the last time we're going to talk until we recap the trade deadline. The biggest name you think is moved by Thursday. And you can go <laughs> off the board. Just the biggest NBA name that is moved. I'm going to go conservative and say Robert Covington. Oh, my God. What? <laughs> He's the biggest name? Oh, fine. Biggest name might be Andre Iguodala, then. Biggest name? Iguodala, finals MVP. Wow. I say D'Angelo Russell. I don't think he gets moved. Okay. We'll see. We don't think Drew Holiday? Drew Holiday a bigger name than D'Angelo? I think Russell's probably a bigger name. Yeah, Simply Russell, because of the, of the markets name. he's played in, right? Yep. Yep. Kevin, this is going to be a fun week for certain. I will talk to you. and We'll recap the whole thing on Friday. I'm excited and also just want to wish a happy 66th birthday to my dad. Wow, really? Yep. yep, yep. Oh, that's unbelievable. Yep, today's a good day. That's awesome. 66 years old. Well, happy birthday to uh, Mr. O'Connor. That's great. Thank you. Kevin, I'll talk to you on Friday. Have a good one, Chris. Thanks, everybody, Thanks for listening. Thanks to Bobby Wagner for producing another episode of The Mismatch. If you dig what you're hearing, go give us a rating and review on iTunes. Five stars, five stars. It really helps, and we will talk to you on Friday.